Ever thought about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Maverick Mondays. I'm your host, Maverick Peters. It is my intention to change your Mondays, to change your week, and to change your life. One episode, one Monday at a time, here on the Maverick Mondays podcast. I've had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some pretty fantastic people. The individuals who are successful at what they do or are extremely positive-minded in the way they live their daily lives Those are the people we will be hearing from on this show. Stay tuned for today's guest. I want to tell you guys about my friends at Rube Adler Sports in Solon, Ohio. The guys at Rube Adler's bring passion and efficiency to the world that is custom sporting goods. They specialize in custom jerseys, team orders, online web stores, and now face masks. With the ever-growing advancements in technology, it's about time the sporting goods industry does so as well, making it as seamless as possible. They work to create a highly efficient way of connecting athletes, coaches, and all you soccer moms out there with top-notch spirit wear. Let their team help your team take the stress out of the clothing part so you can focus more on performing your best. Call them today at 440-248-4668. Mention my name, Maverick, and see how you can save on your very first order. Our guest today on the Maverick Mondays podcast is Jeff Thatcher. Jeff is all the way from Savannah, Georgia. He is the author of The CEO's Time Machine. He has spent a lot of time in his career creating brand experiences, visitor centers, museums, and even amusement parks and life events. Whether it's the world's largest video dome on a beach in Dubai or the opening ceremonies of the Rio 2007 Pan American Games, Jeff has been there. And now Jeff is with us on the Maverick Mondays podcast. Jeff, welcome. Hey Maverick, how are you? So tell us about yourself. Tell us exactly it is what you do and how you're coping with COVID-19. Well, you know, my my day job is creating experiences. Thank you for that nice, nice invite. And so, you know, a lot of uh, these experiences have closed uh, during the pandemic. Certainly more are now closed. After, after the protests and the rioting we've seen. So when the pandemic hit, uh, several of our projects went on hold and I turned to my daughter, who's a designer for us. And I said, God, let's do something crazy. And we had, we had been talking about doing a book, but you know, the problem with uh, doing projects in your spare time is you never have any spare time. And so with this pandemic pause, uh, we jumped in and we, uh, we published a book in just over four weeks. Wow, how cool is that? It was cool. It was a lot of fun. And you know, she did the bulk of the work. She had to do uh, 43 illustrations in three weeks. Uh, I had already written the short story years ago, so we had the story already, but uh, certainly had to work with an editor 
and uh, graphic designer to get things all laid out. The CEO's Time Machine. What is that all about? So it's a short book. It's a short story. It's a parable or a fable. And uh, it's about a Elon Musk, uh, Steve Jobs, visionary you know, type of CEO uh, who always is inventing the future and nobody can figure out how he does it. The rumor is that this CEO has some type of secret uh, device in his uh, R&D lab. You know, he does have this secret R&D garage behind the corporate headquarters, kind of a you know, Tony Stark type, uh, you know, secret space. And uh, he's turning, he's retiring, he's turning over the reins of his company to his protege. And the last thing he has to teach her is what's inside his R&D lab, what's inside his garage. And in fact, it is a time machine. <laughs> That's awesome. A lot of times when I sit down with people who are authors or ghostwriters or bloggers, a lot of times what they write that's fictional reflects on themselves. Do you see yourself in any of this work? Well, I don't see myself as a necessarily a visionary CEO. Uh, it, it's This book absolutely is all about what I care passionately about, and it really is defined by my career. From the very beginning, the entire plot of the book is structured just like we would create a theme park attraction or a museum exhibit or a brand experience. And we do that through something we call the experience model. Yeah, well, you know, the best experiences, uh, whether it be, you know, a huge attraction at Universal Studios or whether it be even a small uh, experience at a, a museum, the best experiences all have five, if you will, five steps. And the first step is you have to have a, an icon or some type of element that draws you in to the experience. And in our book, uh, that icon or that experience that draws you in is a, a garage door. Uh, the book opens with the CEO and his protege standing in front of a garage door. And then what happens next in any attraction is you stand in line, you go into the queue. Now, a lot of people think that, you know, queues are there just to kind of organize you and keep you in line. But the very best attractions, like the one in Universal Studios with Harry Potter, take you into an experience and they build, build trust. They set the context for the story. I mean, when I went with my daughter Zoe, who illustrated the book to Universal Studios a long time ago when she was 14, we were standing in the Hogwarts castle and she said to me, she goes, you know, dad, this is legit. And that's how you build trust. And so in our book, after going through that garage door, they enter into a windy hallway where the CEO keeps a bunch of important historical artifacts. And that's where really trust is built as they walk into the experience. And then, of course, the next thing that happens in any great theme park attraction or experience is you have a pre-show -pre where you give uh, guests the information they need to move forward in the journey. And we do the same thing in the book. Uh, that windy hallway with historical artifacts opens up into a large rotunda. And I won't get into the details of what happens inside the rotunda because I don't want to, you know, nah, obviously save it. reveal any spoilers. But, but long story short, they, it, the, you know, they, they next have kind of a, a, a stop where, where the CEO imparts upon to his protege the information she needs to move forward in the journey. And then, of course, you know, after... You've drawn them in with an icon. You've built their trust in the queue. You've given them the information they need in a pre-show is you internalize the story. You internalize the message and the experience uh, in the main attraction, in the ride itself. And of course, in our book, that ride is the 
time machine itself where the CEO actually takes uh, his protege down into a basement lab where his time machine is kept. The final step in any experience is to actually do something. And again, most people think that's just exit through retail. And of course, at the end of almost all great attractions, there is a retail store. But I would argue that the very best attractions like the Harry Potter attraction at Universal Studios, yes, they want you to buy a wand and yes, they want you to buy a Quidditch jersey, but it's not really about that. What they really want more than anything else is for you to become part of the story. They want you to stand there with your family like we did and have a debate. Which one of us is Gryffindor? Which one of us is Ravenclaw? Which one of us is Hufflepuff? And which one of us is Slytherin? Unfortunately, sadly, that would be me. <laughs> so it, that is what happens. And so, of course, in the CEO's time machine, you know, it's really the same thing. We want people to become part of the story. We want, we want them to take the message of this book. And there's lots of layers and lots of meaning in the book. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's that we can learn from our past, uh, that the past shapes our future that, yeah, it's great to travel to the future uh, and, and we can learn from the future. And if we actually listen to those around us, we can actually uh, see that future. But whether we travel to the future or whether we travel to the past, we still live in the present. And even if you and I were to travel back in time to 1919 and talk with people about how they recovered from the Spanish flu, or even if you and I were to go back uh, you know, to 1992 and talk to people after the LA riots, or go back to 1968 and talk about the riots that swept the country as part of the civil rights movement, even if we were to go back and have those conversations with people, we would still, you and I, have to come back to 2020 and still have this conversation and still make a decision. You have to be decisive. What would you say is very important for us to move forward? Maybe something that the average person is overlooking right now? Well, I think right now uh, with the pandemic, and of course now we have these uh, protests and riots uh, that are following the pandemic. I think right now what people need to do more than anything else is, is do look at history. And one of the things that the media and other people around us want to do is you know, introduce this whole new normal and that we'll forever be changed by this. And I'm not saying that there won't be change uh, because, you know, things changed after 9-11, after the Persian Gulf War, things changed after, changed after Vietnam, things changed after the Civil Rights Movement, things changed after World War II and the Korean War, they changed after the Great Depression, and they changed after World War I, they changed after the Spanish flu. Yes, things will change. Things will be better. Our brighter days are ahead of us. Everybody just needs to just relax because, you know, this is not the end of the world. This is actually quite normal. If you look at our history, if you look at the history of the United States, if you look at the history of the world, challenges, pandemics, war, economic calamities, these are all things that happen in any lifespan. And when you're younger, you start to think it's like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. Oh, the economy's crashing. You know what I mean? Honestly, it's really quite normal. I am not of the opinion that, you know, People will always wear masks from now until the end of forever. In fact, I think if you look at your TV and look at the people protesting, it's very clear people aren't going to wear masks. When it comes to the pandemic, I believe it's like Charles Dickens wrote, it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. It's the age of wisdom and the age of foolishness. And if that 
certainly, I think, describes a lot of the behavior uh, that you see right now uh, around the world, and certainly right now here in the United States. Oh, absolutely. We, we mentioned Time Machine, and obviously your book is called The CEO's Time Machine. If you could go back and visit your younger self, would you go back and change anything? More of a personal note. You know, you'd like to say yes, uh, because certainly you make a lot of mistakes, but it's also true that you learn from those mistakes. Let me answer it this way. If I were to go back in time, I think I would give my younger self some advice. And I think the advice I'd give my younger self is don't be afraid, especially early in my career. I was very nervous and very afraid and very worried. And I think I would tell myself to relax a little bit, that it would be okay. With everything going on, you, you know, you mentioned before how, you know, people are really stepping up during this time. And it's those people that are going to push us to get through this. And it doesn't necessarily mean to be wearing masks from now until the end of time, but, you know, to do the little things. And a, a lot of the previous guests that we've had on the show remotely during the, the coronavirus and during the, the global quarantine or the national quarantine, you know, they all mentioned that it's very important that you step up. And a line that I just keep hearing echoing in my head is when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I, I would like to see myself as one of those tough people that make things happen, especially when it's hard. Have you, have you done anything tough or particularly special to keep yourself on track during this time? Well, the biggest decision we made is right when the pandemic hit, I turned to Zoe and I said, let's publish a book. And, you know, uh, uh, that it was a lot of effort and it was a lot of time and it cost money and, you know, some people have told me that it was a stupid decision to publish a book during a pandemic, that I should wait and not publish this book until after the pandemic was over. Uh, but I just felt this overriding desire and need to, to, to do something. Uh, I couldn't just sit on my hands and reorganize my files. And I, I mean, I had to do something and it wasn't something academic. I really needed to see something tangible. And so it was really, really important to me to publish this book because I wanted to do something. And it was also important for me, and it's not huge, you know what I mean? I'm a small company, but, you know, I mean, the $1,250 that I paid our graphic designer, uh, you know, she's a contractor who I use all the time. And to be able to give her $1,250 in March during, you know, the pandemic, when it was like really at its worst, felt really good to me to like contribute back and to be able to pay $600 to a copy editor. Again, it's not a very, it's not very much money, but you know, every little bit helps. Really that to me was the big risk that I took during the pandemic is to, instead of just kind of switch quietly and hoard, hoard our money, we decided to invest and to do something and to produce something. And honestly, I think if you're in the creative field that I'm in right now, there is no better time to generate your own intellectual property than right now. Now is the best time launch something and do something and, and create something. Aside from the circumstance itself, was there anything that presented a problem or a roadblock while you were uh, creating the book with your daughter? I don't, there really, I mean, honestly, there really weren't any roadblocks. I mean, you know, once we decided to do it, it was, it was just, you know, working really, really hard. And then what happened I guess you could call it the closest thing to a roadblock is so when the pandemic hit, our, our, all of our projects went on hold. And so it's like, okay, let's do this book. 
And so it was going to be easy to work on the book because all of our projects went on hold. And then literally two days later, we get a phone call and we have a client that needs a lot of help. So unexpected, it was a blessing. It was totally unexpected. So here we are trying to get this book published and work on this project for a client. And we're trying to do both. And they're both along the same timeline in like a three, you know, three to four week timeline. And so the first five weeks of the pandemic for us were just incredibly busy. We were so, so busy. That really was a blessing more than anything else. Of the people in the CEO's time machine, what would they say about our current situation, the pandemic, the riots, and what would they suggest? I think they would say it's an opportunity. I would think they would say it's it's time to invest. I think it's, they would say it's time that, uh, to go talk to the young people in your organization and learn from them about what the future is going to be like. Because the reality is that you know the future of my company is not with me, my daughter, Zoe, who works for me. You know, the future of this world isn't with me. I'm, I still have a lot to contribute, but you're Maverick. You're the future of this world. You're a lot younger than I am. You're the future. If you want to travel to the future, why don't you just go talk to somebody who's young? You know, one of the stories we tell in the book is of the Wright brothers. I mean, you're from Ohio. You live in Ohio. You're, we're, we're doing this uh, from this podcast from Ohio. Uh, I lived in Ohio for 25 years and, you know, the Wright brothers invented the airplane in Ohio. Yeah, I know North Carolina gets the credit uh, with Kitty Hawk, but the airplane was invented in Ohio. What's really, really sad is that, you know, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Airbus, all of these modern, amazing aviation firms, none of them have really much to do with the Wright brothers. I mean, the Wright brothers... If we could go back in time and talk to them, I think that what they would, what they would tell us is keep innovating. They made the decision to sue uh, everybody who was infringing upon their patents instead of continuing to innovate. So they spent the formative years of the aviation industry instead of innovating and launching their own company and you know designing airplanes and selling airplanes to the military and doing all that. They spent their time suing people and they lost valuable grounds because when you invest your time and energy into contentious lawsuits rather than innovating, generally speaking, you're going you're gonna to lose. From all your experience, from all your business experience, and most recently from your new book, what would you say as one piece of advice, one thing that you, know, you really feel everybody needs to hear, whether it's particularly with coronavirus or, or the rioting that's going on or just life in general? That we have a lot more in common. I was once in Dubai, I was standing next to a stage. On the stage was an Emirati, and he was doing an Islamic prayer and chanting. And I had no idea what the prayer was about. I don't speak Arabic. Uh, I'm not Islamic uh, or Muslim. So I, I have no idea what he was praying. It was after three long weeks working on this project. And so I was tired. And it was really beautiful, his, his chant. At that moment, I get a text from my wife. And my wife tells me that she's at church. The sermon uh, was about gratitude and expressing your love and gratitude to those that you care about. And so she just wanted to text me and tell me that she would appreciate me and that she loved me and that she missed me. 
And so here I am standing next to uh, a Muslim chanting a prayer. I get a text from my wife who's at a Christian church talking about appreciation and thankfulness. And I just start crying. And I felt in that moment that the world was connected. And we are all different. That is true. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have much more in common uh, than we have different. If I could speak to the entire world right now, I would say that uh, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all part of the same human family. And we have much more in common uh, than we have different. So let's, let's focus on what brings us together than what divides us. Jeff Thatcher, thank you so much for being a part of the Maverick Mondays podcast. How can people uh, learn more about you? How can they get a hold of your new book? So you can learn more about our book, The CEO's Time Machine, by just going online and visiting ceotimemachine.com. That's ceotimemachine.com. But uh, you can also go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, other retailers. Uh, you can you know, uh, find me online just by Googling my name. I love that. And we'll leave that the link for your new book in the description as well. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you so much, Jeff. It was a pleasure. Takeaways from episode 31. One, Jeff creatively modeled his fictional novel after his own work and lifestyle. He takes his readers through an adventure as though they were at an attraction at Disney World. Amazing. Two, don't be afraid. If you're putting in 100% of your effort, don't be afraid to take leaps and risks. Three, the CEO's time machine features many of our recent history's greatest achievers. Jeff is convinced if we had the opportunity to ask them how they saw our current uncertain time, they would show us how our pandemic presents an untold amount of possibilities and opportunities. Four, if you're looking to learn something about the future, try picking the brain of a young leader. And five, as big as our world is, we have a lot more in common than we typically think. Let's try and focus less on our differences and more on our similarities. Thank you.